the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Well, now that we got that election certainty over with, we move on to the next big thing in American business and see what the stock market needs or did we get that election certainty that we needed let's bring in patrick o'hare with briefing.com a reliable source of both domestic and international information especially tied towards businesses how are you mr o'hare hey good morning rob i'm hanging in there a lot of election certainty last night we got a mandate did we not (laughs) (laughs) obviously sarcasm right yeah it was um you know, I, I have to say that, you know, I, I write the page one column every day and I uh, can't remember a time in maybe the last 23 years where I might have dreaded writing that column as much as I did this morning. Right. <laughs> um, Good job. You know, the well, thank you. I mean, you know, political sensitivity is obviously very high. And, and of course, as we as I've disclosed to you a number of times on the show, you know, we don't take political positions. And so I'm not trying to sound biased or any anyway, in any way, shape or form. Um, but, you know, what happened last night or maybe what didn't happen. is being interpreted by the stock market initially here as maybe the best possible outcome. Um okay. And that's predicated around the the idea that uh, it's looking as if the GOP will retain control of the Senate and that, you know, uh, and then we know that Democrats maintain control of the House. So it it kind of, you know, not to sound uh, inflammatory, but it, it, you know, kind of almost renders the, the presidential you know, person sitting in the Oval Office irrelevant because then you have a a situation where you're going to, you know, for the stock market standpoint, you either have gridlock um, or if Mr. Trump ends up winning uh, re-election, uh, you still have a split Congress. And again, you know, it becomes difficult to get anything done. But from the stock market standpoint, that could be OK, because uh, obviously that means that you're not going to see, you know, major changes to tax policy, if any changes to tax policy. And I think that's kind of what the market is coalescing around right now, really. Um, and, and why the reaction has been, you know, remarkably positive to what one could say was still maybe the worst of possible outcomes with this election. Um, it's going to be really tight. Um, it's not unlikely to, that you might see, you know, legal challenges here. And we still think that notwithstanding today's market action so far, uh, the potential for heightened volatility and kind of some nastiness is still very um uh, very much there. Interesting. Um, going from some of your lines on the morning, uh, your your start of the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so tired at this point in time. But the uncertainty of the election. I think one of the things I'm seeing in the headlines from Wall Street right now 
is that there's not going to be a mandate. Like when Clinton had his, he was in power for two years and the Republican Congress rolled in and they, they had a great midterm election and they took control and they, they, Newt Gingrich did the first hundred days of Congress and there was lots of legislation. Am I boiling down the situation that less legislation is likely to come? Stimulus will likely be smaller. Um, taking a look at the 10-year treasury, it dropped this morning, which implies there's a flight mm-hmm. to safety. And yet Wall Street is moving higher. That seems to be in a little bit of conflict with that. Right. Uh, no, I, you know, I think you're, you're, you know, certainly in the in the right ballpark of, of thinking that, you know, you're not going to see a mandate uh, for either candidate. Um, and uh, and while that is likely to mean you have a smaller than hoped for fiscal stimulus package, this stock market hasn't divorced itself from the idea that the Fed is still there as a backstop if, if needed. Right. And. Um, you know, and it's probably going to come to anticipate that the Fed, in the absence of a more aggressive fiscal stimulus package, could, you know, tweak its asset purchase program in a way to help support, um, you know, the ongoing recovery. And by doing that, by shifting more of its asset purchases to longer dated securities, right? So you hold down long term interest rates, which is you know, a nice consideration uh, today, certainly for those, you know, highly valued growth stocks. Um, and, uh, but then on your layer on top of that, though, the, the fact that um, you're probably not likely to see, you know, a change in the capital gains tax rate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or a corporate tax rate. And this stock market, you know, likes likes the idea, obviously, of lower taxes uh, for corporations, individuals, and investors. Um, and that is kind of, I think, you know, um, acting as a, as a support factor here today, while everybody is well aware that um, the presidential election is still very much up in the air um, and and could get contested. But at the end of the day, when it ultimately gets settled, no matter who wins, you're still kind of stuck, you know, in an environment where you don't have a mandate. <laughs> I don't know how well versed you are on Prop 22 in California. It's the one that passed. It was the most expensive proposition ever in the state of California. It's tied to or it's Uber and Lyft or even more correctly, maybe gig employees um, and not calling them employees, but calling them independent contractors. So companies like Uber and Lyft don't have to pay a lot more taxes tied towards an employee versus a contractor. Um, did you, have you paid attention to that election and is it important if you have? Uh, yeah, quite honestly, I, I, I am aware of it. I didn't okay. pay, you know, uh, a lot of attention to it. You know, I can see obviously in the stock prices this morning that, uh, uh, it, it went the way of Uber and Lyft <laughs> and, um, and I suppose it, um, I don't know what the percentages worked out to be yeah. there, whether it was a close vote or not. Um, not. Not terribly close. And the only reason I brought it up, uh, because yeah. down the road, I think it will have some sort of impact on our economy. Um, gig workers are now a thing. Um, it's mm-hmm. legitimized and it's going to be almost impossible to ever overturn the way the proposition was written. And again, I think with whoever wins presidency, I, it looks like we're going to see the rich get richer and the poor struggle a little bit more. But there's also a new type of worker that we're going to have to figure out, and it's called the gig worker, because what starts in California eventually goes national, is, is right. typically the way I see right. things. But sorry for asking you something that you weren't totally prepped for. Is there anything else you're working on, or are you just still kind of in shock from this uh, election, and you kind of got to digest stuff before you get to Friday's big picture column? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think I'm in a fog with like a lot of people who stayed up, you know, pretty late, uh, you know, trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, uh, and, and, and yeah, to be honest, I don't have a topic yet because there's so much that can kind of still unfold here in the next 24 to, you know, 48 hours or so, um, that will probably drive the ultimate decision as to what I write the big picture column about. Um, so, so stay tuned. Uh, I'll, I'll whittle it down certainly, but, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if it had something to do with the election, certainly. Um, but of course we have the, the fed that's coming out tomorrow and, uh, and you have the employment report on Friday as well, which are, you know, reminders that life goes on outside of, you know, politics. I said something yesterday that let's see if I can shock you with this one. I said, let's play rock, scissors, paper and, um, and federal reserve, federal reserve beats them all. Then you add in Republican president, Democrat president, federal reserve still beats them all. Then you add in COVID and you do the rock scissors paper and the federal reserve still wins. Am I wrong on betting on the federal reserve? I've done it for 20 plus years and said, anytime it's under three and a half percent, I invest in stocks. I've had zero exposure to bonds because of that. And my portfolio has done really, really well because I believe in the treasury. I believe in the federal reserve when they stimulate it, it favors stocks over bonds is the rock scissors paper. Am I, am I wrong on any of those scenarios? Well, the, the data, you know, in terms of the stock market performance is not proving you wrong, <laughs> Rob. I mean, it um, kind of speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, I think the real risk that we run is because the stock market has kind of become so wedded to, to the notion that you don't fight the Fed, right. uh, that if, uh, you know, you, you kind of hit the wall at some point where the Fed, you know, tries to take over for a lack of fiscal stimulus and you don't get really an economic response to it and, uh, and you have highly valued stocks at the same time, there can be some real payback. Um, so, um, you know, and that kind of equates to the Fed pushing on a string or having kind of reached its max capacity to, to help stimulate the, the financial markets. So it's a risk that's out there. But, but I think to your point, up to this point, uh, there's no question that uh, the stock market has certainly been helped uh, quite favorably by, uh, by the Fed's easy monetary policy action. Let's change the topic to, I saw a statistic yesterday that Americans have $1.3 trillion saved during the pandemic. Um, and the fear is, in this article, was mentioning like when that money starts to come back and buy stuff, it should create inflation. $1.3 trillion. Uh, Senate might do a $1 trillion stimulus, $2 trillion stimulus. So there's a lot of money coming. Do you see inflation as an issue at this point in time? Or should we just say, let's think 2022 on inflation? Do we put that one away? Because people ask me mm. about gold. People ask me about Bitcoin, things that would be anti-inflationary, fight inflation. Any thoughts there? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you would certainly seem to think that, uh, the, you know, that you have um, – a risk of a of a notable pickup in of inflation, given just how much you know liquidity has been provided to the system, and and as you're alluding to, how much kind of sideline cash there is, you know, waiting to be uh, to to be released. Um, but I think you know what we're ultimately going to see in coming months, though, too, is is just that there was a lot of damage done to the economy, um, and uh, and I think that the labor market is still having its its issues. So while there's a lot of money there on the sidelines, a lot of it is kind of scared money um, and money that's going to be allocated quite prudently in terms of of spending. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, um, price conscious 
consumers, I think, as it relates to where and when they're going to spend that money. So maybe in the in the near term here, uh, you know, the inflation factor is not going to be a, a considerable factor. But as we move out to 2022, it could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with okay. Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international information on the markets and more. Get some rest. That was a fun day yesterday, long day. Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Happy post-day election. <laughs> um... Those shows are fantastic to watch. And let's go to the board. I don't know. It's entertainment on some levels, right? I'll be interested to see how the ratings did. Like, were people engaged? Were they not? Uh, We've seen ratings for television on sporting events go down. And that has a big long-term effect. So ratings do, you know, tell you what's happening on where the advertising dollars are likely to go. Um, election day, not the end of productivity losses due to politics. Voting takes workers away from their jobs. Listen to this. <laughs> Tell me we're not splitting hairs. Election day loss to worker productivity estimated at $3.6 billion per hour. Uh, so if you're t- you took off time to vote, your company probably lost some productivity, which, again, that's it's a funny way of looking at the world, right? The day after the Super Bowl, some people have said, let's just call it a national holiday because people are going to be hungover and not be able to work when they're supposed to be working, so you lose productivity. Uh, if you call it a national holiday, maybe people would you know, drink a little bit more, party a little bit more, spend more in the economy a little bit more, go on a three-day weekend to the Super Bowl. or you see what I'm saying? It could be a stimulant. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, one of the things I do want to get back to at some point after we really get through the election, after we really get through COVID killing people, after we really get through a vaccine, after we really get through stimulus, those are the next four big things on the agenda that we have to really clear substantially for Wall Street to get into a more normal operating environment. We have to get through the holiday spending. It's going to be a mega year, a mega year in online spending. So the companies like Uber or Lyft, who kind of got a win yesterday in California, that should become something that trickles across America. One of the big stocks winning today is Scott's miracle Grow. Why is Scott's miracle Grow doing well? I'll give you three seconds to figure it out. Why is Scott's miracle Grow doing well? Pot stocks. Marijuana for the win. You got New Jersey legalizing marijuana. And uh, Scott's Miracle Grow does well. <laughs> it's People want to grow some at their own home. You legally can do it. And a fertilizer company does well. Is that not the strangest thing ever? How Wall Street truly works. So it could take at least another day or several days to count the remaining votes in the key battleground states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina, and Georgia. 
Um, and that's ultimately going to decide the president. I thought Patrick O'Hare said something genius there. He goes, the presidency is now kind of irrelevant because it looks like the Senate is going to be controlled by the Republicans and the House is going to be controlled by the Democrats. Therefore, it just means a softer mandate for the Democrats if the Democrats get the presidency. And it means a softer mandate for the Republicans if the Republicans get. I'll say this. The Senate obviously had, did a great job of um, packing the court in the last four years under Trump. So the Senate is still kind of got some power, more so than the House of Representatives. Zebra Technologies was a, a big story yesterday. Third quarter earnings beat on both top and bottom lines. Demand from large strategic customers continued to be at record levels. Zebra is one of those companies that does barcodes and scanning and tracking of packages as they ship around the world where if you've ever used Amazon or UPS or FedEx, you know about tracking numbers, but tracking packages too. Companies like Walmart is able to say, okay, we've got a crate of Samsung TVs coming from South Korea. Let's take a look where they are. And you can say, oh no, it's stuck in the Panama Canal. What are we gonna do? So Zebra is a play on e-commerce. It is a play on digitalization. It is a play on globalization and distribution. It's one of those stocks that never seems to be on your radar, but at the end of the year, you go, dang it, I wish I owned that one. Consultable Barber Rides for Jacob Dexter, and I'll cover it on the show. Wayfair, they make furniture. Do you remember a couple years ago, Trump was putting little children in cages at the border? That's what the media told me, and I, I believe it. Well, they were ordering, the Trump administration was ordering furniture from Wayfair to put in the kids' little teeny tiny apartments or something like that. I, I don't have that story totally correctly, but the employees at Wayfair freaked out and they went on strike. That's that company. They reported strong third quarter earnings before the market uh, yesterday. Revenue was up 67% year over year, 67% year over year. Why? The pandemic. As we've moved back to our homes, we work out, uh, we go to work less. We go, I really don't want to hang out with my kid. I used to like hanging out with him because I was at work all day. I didn't have to see the ugly brat, the snot-nosed germ machine. But now that we work under the same roof as he goes to school under the same roof, we're like, we better get him furniture so he can stay in his own room and not come out. I need some downtime. The China Technology ETF closed at an all-time high. It's called the CQQQ. That's cute. If you want to own exposure to China's tech companies like an Alibaba, um, you name the company that's Chinese, like a, a Neo, electric cars, that's the index to look at. Why would you want to own an index? An index would be saying, I don't want to take the risk of one stock. I want to take the risk of one theme. Do I think Chinese tech is going to be United States tech? I do. It might be 20 to 30 or 40 years, but it'll happen. Uh, their university system's better than ours, period. So their access to cheap labor is better than ours, period. Um, it didn't used to be that way, but it is now. So solar stocks sank um, in large part because Biden didn't get a massive blue wave or a mandate. So that's one to take a look at. TAN, T-A-N, if you believe the long-term future of solar. But if you believed in the short-term massive stimulus, you're probably a little bit disappointed. 
Man, Wall Street and Main Street politics bashing with uh, the economy. Loving these kind of stories. Stay tuned. Stay active. Check me out at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Out of sight. Yeah! We got through the election. Is America on fire? I'm not really sure because I'm focusing on Wall Street. And socially, I just don't have the bandwidth to take a look around the world of my, my, my making and see how things are socially out there. Uh, Wall Street's responding positively. There's a lot of questions on this. Essentially, the presidency is still up for grabs. That's all I know. But there wasn't a big mandate, so you're not going to see a big Republicans all getting together and spending Republican tax dollars, Democrats getting all together and saying, let's do these initiatives and spend tax dollars. It's going to be a fight. So it's probably what's referred to more as gridlock. Um, but again, it, it's a little too early to say, and we should probably wait till all the votes are counted to start talking about, is it gridlock or not? But that's what Wall Street has seen today. Very interesting. The 10-year Treasury went from 90 basis points down to 78 basis points. That's a flight to safety. That, that tends to be what I refer to as smart money. People, it's, it's big money. It, it's, it's big investor money. It's big corporate money saying, ah, I'm going to sit out for a couple days and I'm going to take 70 basis points return each year for the next 10 years. That's, that's spit. That's nothing. I know you're saying, ooh, I, I, do, Rob, do you want to go into business with me? Here's my idea for a, a soda. It's, it could be called the spit jug. Kids will buy it by the gallons just to piss off mom and dad. But 10-year treasury is telling us something that is kind of a disconnect from Wall Street. The Dow's up 600. NASDAQ's up 400. The S&P 500 is up 92. These are, are, are big-time gains. Big. Now, last week, we wanted super stimulus, and we were depressed that we didn't get super stimulus out of the Democrats um, and the White House before they went on break for the elections. We, we were bummed. You saw the market sell off on that. This week, we get kind of a divided presidential Congress thing going on, gridlock. And the markets are shooting higher, which probably implies less stimulus and less mandate. Um, When you see one party win big, that tells you that the people of America want something. No one party won big yesterday. It feels very split and fractured. Now, again, that's all I'm going to say. That's not all I'm going to say. But stocks are rising. Tech shares are rallying hardcore. It's kind of nice to see if you invest in tech stocks. Yesterday, I did a little bit of work that I want to share with you. Um, First and foremost, one of the things that I saw work yesterday, marijuana stocks. In large part because New Jersey has legalized marijuana. I would buy those 
stocks very carefully. Uber and Lyft are moving higher today because of Prop 22 did get passed. The, the writing inside of Prop 22, keeping the gig workers as independent contractors, the writing inside of Proposition 22, making it into law, is is so to overturn it, you get have to get like 90% votes in California's legislature. So that probably it's not going to get overturned in our lifetime. So now there's full-time workers, there's part-time workers, there's gig workers um, who are kind of now contract workers. They get to work when they want to. Now, for their part, Uber said thank you. Um, Uber and Lyft spent $200 plus million to get this passed. It got passed. That changes their business models, or it makes their business models a lot more profitable for them forever. If you believe those kind of services are going to come back at some point in time and people are going to get into Ubers and Lyfts, they're still going to be $10 instead of $20. $20 had the uh, measure got struck down. $10 if it got pushed through. Um, They don't have to raise the prices now because they still get the cheap labor that they used to get. But Uber said, we're going to give healthcare contributions for drivers who work at least 15 hours a week. We're going to give occupational accident insurance to cover medical bills for injuries sustained while driving or delivering. And they also said, we're going to give a minimum earning guarantee of 120% of minimum wage for engaged time. And that includes an additional 30 cents a mile for expenses with no upper limit on driver's ability to earn more. Okay. I don't know if that's just throwing a cookie. Um, to the public saying, thank you. We spent our money wisely. We got what we wanted. Now, we also want to tell you, we're going to give the drivers a little something. There's not a lot of date details in the healthcare contributions, the insurance, or the minimum earning guarantee. Um, but that's past us. And Wall Street likes certainty versus uncertainty. Wall Street likes the demon known versus the demon unknown. Um, it's funny because Wall Street, you could say, Wall Street, come in here. Yeah, 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 what is it, man? Um, you've got cancer. Oh, really? Oh, oh, that's that. That sucks. But okay, okay, okay. I'll talk to you later. Wall Street is. You can tell Wall Street you've got cancer, and they'll move on. They don't care. Bad news is good news because it's news. Both President Trump and former Vice President Biden have multiple paths for winning the remaining electoral votes to get to the needed 270. The uncertain outcome and specter of a challenge the presidential election are pointing to the prospect of a stimulus package being further delayed. Given the thought that Republicans will maintain control of the Senate, the idea that it's going to be a jumbo stimulus package is gone. So it's going to be somewhere between $500 billion and $2 trillion, uh, probably closer to the $1 trillion. It's time for Congress to say, oh, we got job security now for two years. Let's carve up some uh, taxpayers' money and stimulate our economies or our states or local municipalities. So if the fiscal stimulus package is delayed, eventually a smaller one's put in place, the Fed may find itself in the position of needing to do more to support the economic recovery, like buying treasury debt, keeping rates low, um, buying mortgage debt, driving mortgage rates lower. I don't know. It's... It's not exactly encouraging, if you ask me, to talk about gridlock, but I like gridlock on a lot of levels. A Congress that does less kind of lets corporate America figure it out on their own. And that's what we're seeing today. 
Now, again, I've probably said some inflammatory statements. I'll try to talk less politics. But Google's up 6% today. Facebook's up 7% today. Apple's up three and a quarter percent. Why? Because the Democrats didn't get enough of the Senate to set up a review and to say, we need to deregulate you guys, you're too big. I guess that's the thought. Um, the last two months, we've seen a lot of selling pressure, which gave the opportunity for the market to rally on the results that are mixed. Um, it's interesting to watch. The Fed's going to take a wait-and-see approach to quantitative easing, they've said. Um, stocks are rising really big. The Taking a look at the markets, as we open, we've gained on them. So the Nasdaq's up 400. The Dow's up 500. Um, it's a big day. Anything over 1.5% up or 1.5% down, it seems outsized. I think that's what I should throw down as my quantifier. Anyhow, any questions, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Tesla's a little bit lower, maybe because of the lack of blue sweep and the thought that electric vehicles would become mandated or something like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I wildly appreciate you listening. I know this has been a very strange year, but it's been also strangely positive, which I don't think if you had said 250,000, I don't know the number right now, Americans would be dead from COVID, which is a big number. You can't deny that. Either side, you're on your back. They're old. They, it does tend to take out the old people, uh, more so than the young people, um, as diseases do. With that out there, we would never have predicted this year, I don't think. Or I think it's difficult to say that we could have seen this coming in any way, shape, or form. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The NASDAQ's up 24% year-to-date. That's stunning. There's never been a year where real estate goes up 24% in a year. In my mind, it shouldn't, nor should the stock market. But the stock market is a market-weighted index. Um, the S&P 500's up 4.3% year-to-date. That's, again, a market-weighted index. So it's... A lot, very few companies carrying the weight of a lot of smaller companies. Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 3.7% for the year. And the Russell 2000, this is the one that tells you you're having a bad year. This is the one that's telling you COVID's hitting. Uh, down 3.3% for the year. Russell 2000, small companies that are typically in the United States doing business. That's not totally true across the board, but that's the thought. Whereas the NASDAQ and the SP 500 have companies that do business around the world. Um, PayPal, Skyworks, notable laggards yesterday, despite exceeding analyst expectations. We're seeing that pretty consistently that the tech companies who have done well for the year, if they don't do very well during earnings, they get punished. If they do well, it's not good enough. If they beat expectations, it's not good enough. It's almost like you have to thump. Google thumped earnings expectations. Apple, eh, not so much. 
So now that the pandemic is, I think, probably our next story of deaths, um, cases, and vaccine distribution, getting through a winter that will have a combination of flu and COVID, we got to start talking about the economy and how it's not opening up as fast as we like it. I love a good restaurant. Restaurants in particular are seeing a large, large dent to their revenues. A lot of the restaurant companies are exploring ways to adopt their services and operations to keep their doors open. In the average restaurant in the United States, there are a few different uses for digital ordering technology. And I think this year, 2021, I'm starting to call this year because we're close. In the year 2021, you're going to see more order ahead and takeout. You're going to see more innovation from restaurants because they have to. Quick service restaurants is a category. You know how you, there's a category in retail soft lines, which is like apparel and clothes, hard lines, which is like hammer and wood. Uh, restaurants have a quick service restaurant, including coffee and pizza chains. They've been enabling, incentivizing, and promoting order ahead for years, and they've been doing very, very well. A couple years ago, you probably saw a commercial for Domino's that like, look, we got this brand new technology, and that's what like they'll they'll show you a commercial like putting a pizza in a drone, or putting pizza in a self-driving car, or or putting a pizza oven in a car so it stays hot and fresh. They have to stay cutting edge technology, and they have. And they one of the things they did was they started rewards programs on your phone. If you order seven pizzas, get your eighth pizza for free. Well, that's a good deal for them. Let me assure you. So, if they were already going digital they're 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 doing well 42 percent of u.s eateries included um or reported including adding takeout options while they were closed for dine-in service uh, delivery as a companion to online ordering for pickup delivery services have been booming during the pandemic 42 percent of restaurants surveyed by rewards network added delivery when doors were shut in march so there Respond or die is the thought in the restaurant industry. And then you're also getting a lot more in-store, in-restaurant technology. Digital's moving into the brick and mortar, and you're going to continue to see that. So anyhow, um, other big stories out there right now. Have you played with Marcus? Marcus is a digital assistant. It's from Goldman Sachs. You can use it without becoming a client of Goldman Sachs or without even opening an account. It's one of those apps that you can download. It's got a free suite of personal finance management tools. Um, and it should get smarter and smarter over time. People like me should be phased out over time. Because Marcus will learn from me, this guy likes to buy stocks when they're down 5 to 10%. Maybe I should do that. Let's run the numbers. Whoa, that guy was good. The computational power of fintech is getting faster and faster and, and it if artificial intelligence like Facebook's following you or Jeff Bezos is watching you, if that stuff freaks you out, think about the financial industry. They know exactly where I'm spending my money. They know Rob Black's got a drinking issue. Drinky, drink, drink. Uh, vodka, vodka, vodka in my belly, belly, belly. Or it's scotch, scotch, scotch in my belly, belly, belly. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. So... 
Goldman Sachs, TD Ameritrade, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you name the financial institution, they know exactly what we're buying. They know exactly when we buy it. I, I told you a story a couple of years ago. Um, they know when we buy stocks, they know when we sell stocks. The computational power going in is, is crazy. Um, and I think it only gets better. So there's an app that you can play with or you can go online and sign up for the service. And it gives you a lot of financial content. You could say, how much do I need for retirement? And it'll say, how much are you spending? Uh, do you own a home? Here's inflation. FinTech's getting computationally very strong. My job won't be here forever. It'll get easier and easier until it doesn't. Because then again, it works until it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe I still do have job security. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more.